Hello. Hello. All right, we're going to try a bold experiment in reality podcasting. Um, reality podcasting. You, sir, are the guinea pig. Now, uh -oh. I need you to strip down to commando. All right. <laughs> so, um... Talk about a bold reality. <laughs> <laughs> that is bold. That is bold. <laughs> Um, okay, so yeah, I, I'm. I want you to tell me what you want to to achieve out of this resume, and then we're going to actually look at the resume. I haven't looked at it yet. Okay. And then uh, you're going to uh, uh, you're gonna you we're gonna look at the resume and see if you know I think for whatever that's worth um, uh, as a as a hire or whether I would get that. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Um. Basically, it's I not just, just a way for me to turn my lack of preparation into an advantage. I want you to know that. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> Basically, I just want to improve it and, and go with what I'm already doing for now because I'm not ready for a career change right now. I, I, like, I, I want to see if I can find a, a better job for, for what I'm doing, but that's a whole different subject. I just want to improve my resume and get across and, and really sell myself um, because um, – where I'm coming from and what I can do are, are, are problems for me. Like, um, I can put, I can list every little piece of technology I've ever interacted with, um, on there. And I basically already done that. And, <laughs> and I don't know if that's a problem or not. And also, um, my biggest issue is, is when I go to an interview or when I um, um, when I submit my resume and I talk to or I have a phone interview or some when I talk to a potential employer, um, the biggest problem I have is selling my experience or selling myself to them as far as what I have done and versus what I can do. Um, yeah, like no, I. I I, no, I certainly, sorry, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I certainly do understand that, right? Because people will look at your history and not look at the trajectory of what you're capable of, right? Right, and I, I want to be able to convey that I can do a lot more than what's on here. What's on here is my experience. What I can do is a whole lot more, well, a whole lot more than that. Um, because, um, because, no, I, um, I understand, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. It's just that I, I'm in these um, – when you're in a large and corporate environment, you're pigeonholed every time. There's, you can't help but be pigeonholed into these departments or teams that focus on one specific area of the overall infrastructure. And there's no way to um, – in these, in these large environments, which are high-paying also <laughs> because, they're, because they're so successful and big – but the the downside is that you get pigeonholed and there's a Citrix team and a VMware team and then you get somebody wanting both experience with both technologies and um you can't give them that because you're either one or the other they want all three you want they want experience in a large environment experiments in two different technologies and you can't always give them that that experience because either you're on in the group that focuses on Citrix 
or you're in the all group. Right, so I'm going to interrupt you just before you completely put me to sleep. Um, <laughs> just because, you know, with all due respect, if you tell me about all the things that aren't possible, then there's not much to talk about, right? Oh, right. Right, because you may not be right about that. Oh, I might not. I mean, you may be. You may be. But I've worked in large companies. I worked at Unisys. I worked at IBM. I've worked at some pretty honking big companies. And I've worked at a, uh, at a bank. And uh, the managers come from somewhere, right? So not everyone gets pigeonholed, hmm. right? So, um, uh, so, so well, it may be man possible. Man managers, some... managers, a, a lot of managers start out in the technical field, right? Jack Welsh, uh, I think, has his PhD in, in chemistry or something like that. And uh, they will start out and they don't get pigeonholed uh, because, because they get something, I think, in my opinion, they get something very important, which I think, based on your history and your career path, you have yet to fully uh, process. I'm going to tell you what that is, and then you can tell me if it makes any sense. Okay. So you think that a resume and an interview is about selling yourself? Yeah. It's not. Right. Um, I see where you're going. It's a negotiation for – it's like a business negotiation. Yeah, it's, you know, a car, like if you're selling a car, it's not about selling the car, it's about getting money, right? Right. So you're not trying to sell yourself, you are putting yourself out there to see if there's a good fit between you and a potential employer. And to be respectful of, like, managers need empathy. Uh, and that doesn't mean that they've got to be emotional wizards, but they do have to have some understanding of the employee needs, the customer needs, their own manager's needs, the uh, shareholders and stakeholders, and everybody who's got uh, a vested interest in the company. And the best way to demonstrate that, in my opinion, when you are uh, doing an interview, is to, to figure out that you want to see if there's a fit, and you want to figure out if there's a fit very quickly, because manager, management is all about being decisive but accurate. And you want to uh, see if there's a fit as, uh, as, well, as good as possible, right? So if you have the idea, and I mean, I understand this. I'm just trying to give you another way of looking at it. But if you have the idea that I have to get a job, you have a job, and now I have to convince you to give it to me, then you will forever be stuck being pigeonholed for your specific skills. Yeah, I, I I can follow that. I can follow where that goes. Okay, take it away. Um, so because I'm trying to sell what they want, um, they may give me what I want, but that's all I get. Yeah, I mean, basically, you're selling yourself like someone would sell a computer. The computer can do this, right? Right. Do I need something to do that? Well, yes, then I will buy this computer. And so you're selling yourself like a piece of technical equipment or a car or, you know, this does X, right? Do I need X? If so, yes. If not, no, right? Right. And and that's right. fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But then there's there's no real advice that I can give you on the resume because you just look into 
as I talked about with James like about a year, a year and a half ago, what you're doing is you're, you're just basically try, you're saying, here's my silhouette, right? Here's my cardboard cutout. Does it fit in the silhouette of the guy you want? And if yes, then we'll talk. And if no, right, it's just a, it's a Boolean operation, right? Right. I need a guy with PHP and SQL Server and Apache. Do you have these things? Yes, then we'll talk further. No, blah, 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 right? Right. And so if it's, a, if it's a punch card resume you're looking for, then, I mean, we could probably have a look at it and tweak it a little bit. But that's why I kind of asked what it is that you want to... Yeah, and it's probably a punch card resume that I already have. <laughs> right, and, and I because bet you... That's, that's where sorry. I've ended up. And, and so what happens with a punch card resume is... you th th Tell me if this sounds familiar, right? So you get the call, and the person says, we need A, B, C, D, right? And you, you say, well, ABC. I've done WXYZ, but I've dabbled in A. I've had some exposure to B. I can sure as heck learn C because it's very similar to X. And what you're trying to do is convince them that you can learn what they want or you can do it quickly, right? Right. And uh, unless you get the person who needs, who, who needs exactly what you have, it's hard to, to feel needed, right? Right. Exactly. And uh, that's that's stressful, and it feels like you're not in a position of power because you're trying to convince someone. You know, did you ever see the movie Tootsie? Oh yeah, I, I have. It's just it's been probably since the '80s since I've seen it. So. Right, right. Well, and, and anyway, at the beginning, and I, I've only vaguely remember this. I saw it again in the '80s, but I just remember there was a funny scene with Dustin Hoffman. Um, he's going for. Uh, he's going. Um, he's going for acting jobs, Dustin Hoffman, and you know, we need somebody taller. I can be taller, right? <laughs> right. We need somebody uh, balder. I can be balder. You know, we need somebody fatter. I can be fatter, right? <laughs> I, and I can't remember how. It's something like at the end, you know, we need somebody good. And then there was this long pause, right? <laughs> I can be good. Well, why wouldn't you do it in the in the in the um, uh, in the audition, right? Right. Yeah, I don't so, remember that part. Right, so so that's that's where you're at, and that's the desperation, right? That that people are are looking for, right? Uh, you're trying you're trying to fit into somebody else's preconceived idea of what it is they're looking for, uh, because you're not selling yourself as a person, or you're not interacting as a person. You are a skill set with a binary yes, no, or you know, percentage at the least fit, right? Right. And since I can tell you that it's very rare, it's almost never going to happen that you meet someone uh, that you have a specific need as a manager and then you find someone who has that ability never right so i mean at one point in in my management career i was looking for a guy who knew access databases sql server visual basic and had a strong knowledge of the us environmental regulatory environment Whole, <laughs> yeah, that's no, a... come on, it's never going to happen. Now, if that guy did come along, you know, I'd give him my left arm and a kidney, right? Right. And so I had to figure out what was the most important to me. Like, what could I, what could I train someone to do, and what could they, could I not, right? And you can train an experienced IT guy on technology relatively, relatively easily. Um, 
there's a you know a couple of weeks or a month or two of hand holding and then they but you can't teach someone to either know or have an interest in the US environmental regulatory environment right exactly so so the interesting thing is and I hired that guy who actually is now uh, on the board of the company which is great right um uh, he he stayed with the company the whole time right uh, after long after I left he's still there and uh, he learned the particular technologies we were using uh, and he learned the code base environment and the architecture that I had built and he did, you know, fantastic stuff, right? And so he wasn't going to, but, but in the interview, he talked about his knowledge of the U.S. regulatory and <laughs> environmental blah, 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 right? And uh, so he, he knew right? the environmental stuff, but didn't know the coding and all the other he stuff. He knew the business. Right. Right. He knew the business. Right. And that's really hard to teach someone. And he learned the technology. And he didn't even seem that stressed about the technology. And he was very smart, right? But he was like, yeah, I mean, I've done, I've done some coding. I've worked a little bit here and there. But, you know, we'll figure out what you need, right? But, but what I really understand is your business. All right, this other woman we hired who ended up being the senior project manager, uh, we hired her away from a competitor She'd never coded before in her life. And, you know, we, ended, we started her on coding, but she ended up much preferring project management, so that's where we put her. But she knew the business because she was a competitor, right? She, she knew the business we were in. Okay. Right, so, you know, before a, an interview, it doesn't always work, right? But, but uh, it's worth it. I mean, before the interview, a lot of people in the tech field will say, hey, I've really, uh, I've got to figure out this technology, so they'll do some research, read up on it, and so on, right? Right. But my suggestion would be um, read up on the industry. Read up on the business that you're going into. Huh. Yeah. Uh, the interview I have tomorrow is um, is an industry I am familiar with, the uh, oil and gas and uh, energy. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I eat Mexican too, and you can bring all of that up. Um, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, bring up your industry knowledge, right, and ask them intelligent questions about the industry. I mean, that would be my absolute strong suggestion because if you understand the business that they're in, they'll be much uh, – most good managers will be more comfortable with you learning technology if you know the business. Right. Because you're going to be like, they're going to well, we need, we need you know, Perl scripting or something like that, and you're like uh, – uh, you know, you can say, yeah, that's uh, that's something I would definitely have to uh, to learn. Although, you know, it would be as uh, what I would say is like that would be my eighth computer language. You know, after three, they become pretty easy to learn, right? And good coding right. practices translate from uh, uh, you know from language to language, right? All object oriented, all you know, build your classes effectively, and so on. So, good coding practices. Um, will translate, right? So I would say, and you probably around even more than eight programming languages, you know, I mean, so and people would say, well, this is language. And I said, well, okay, so that would be my eighth programming language. And, you know, but the important thing is to, that I know how to code effectively and I know how to document effectively and I know how to communicate about my code effectively and I know how to train people on my code effectively. And that, you know, I would submit that that's more important than knowing a particular syntax, which is easy to learn anyway, right? I can totally understand that. And and the problem with where I've been 
Um, uh, I just I haven't been too career focused lately. I'm just you know working on myself and stuff like that, and and this is the next thing. So, um, um, in my past two positions, I've I've um, gained some, lost a lot because of um, the the siloing of the departments and the I just I. I don't get the opportunities to learn new things there. So what I do know, what I did know before gets forgotten and what I do know now gets learned. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I, it, because of this, I feel, um, like I'm having to catch up or something like I'm having to, to like I'm deficient in some way where I, well, I everyone in IT feels that. Everyone yeah. in IT feels that all the time, right? Right. It's like a doctor who has to constantly read the journals in order to stay, you know, on top of the game. Or, yeah, learn stuff. new procedures, and oh, absolutely, absolutely, it is. Uh, it is a brutal hamster wheel that constantly is accelerating, right? Right. right. So, and, and it, that's why. I mean, sorry, and that's why trying to find someone with the exact technical skills that you need is. Okay, let me put it to you this way. If the person who's hiring you is looking for someone with your level of experience but is only looking for technical skills, I would panhandle before I took that job because they're retarded. <laughs> no, because it would be a shitty work environment with an insecure and idiot manager. Right, so if I've got 13 years behind me and they're looking for a specific technology experience. Yeah, if they would say, hey, he's been in IT for 13 years, the only thing I care about is if he types correctly. <laughs> right. Right, that's, that's stupid. Because what they're looking for is an idiot. <laughs> right? What they're looking for is somebody who just wants to do the same thing over and over again without any ambition. Right. And those kinds of people who don't have any ambition, they won't... Uh, they won't have the new technology. Like they're looking for someone who doesn't exist. Because someone who's up on the new technology is driven, is ambitious, thinks ahead, has managerial potential. And so they're not going to spend 13 years typing. No. And if somebody thinks they can get someone with 13 years experience at all the latest technology that they want who's not ambitious, they're looking for somebody who doesn't exist and therefore you don't want to work for them, right? Right. Right, I'd just be picking another bad, bad manager. Yeah, just be another another bad fit, right? Right. And and I. They they throw out these um um. I don't know if I should be looking for this in the interview or in the uh, the posting, you know, because they post and they say, well, we need somebody with this experience and. And you know, submit your resume, and we'll interview. Maybe I should be waiting till the interview to decide what they're, um, if these guys are looking for, for just a guy that that um, has no ambition and isn't going anywhere, or they're looking for. Well, no, you can you can figure that out before the interview, right? How? Well, as I said, if if they're looking for somebody with ten years of IT experience, and they're only looking for technical skills, that would be a clue. It may not be for certain, and you can certainly trust your gut. I would, I would always go for jobs in an industry that you know about. 
Right. 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 Because then what you can do is you can talk to the guy about the the industry. Now, if he's a guy who's he's, he's hiring, sorry, man or woman, if he's a person who's hiring, who's in the oil and gas industry, but he knows nothing about the oil and gas industry, then you probably don't want to work for him. Right. And I kind of, I've also been in the hospital industry, so I've, I've had two industries behind me. And that right. explains right. why I did so well at the last hospital interview, despite the HR trouble. <laughs> right. Uh, that's, that explains why I did so well and why they liked me so much because I knew the the hospitals, I knew what doctors were like, I knew what, uh, you know, I know, <laughs> I I knew some of the systems even that they are most commonly used. So right, um, I mean, so basically, you're going for a job as a limo driver, saying not only can I drive, but I come with my own GPS or something, you know, like I yeah. also have and I know how to read a map and I can not just move the wheel and hit the gas, but I can also get you where you want to go because I understand the environment, right? Right. Because if if you don't want someone who understands the environment, the business environment that you're in, then what you want is someone that you can program the same way that you program a computer, and that's going to be soul-destroying. Whereas if you know the industry and you can talk about the industry, then they will understand, your manager, the hiring manager, will understand that you get the technology has a purpose, which is to support and enhance the acquisition of business value within that environment, right? That IT is a tool, not an end in itself, and the tool is to further the economic growth of the company, right? Exactly. Now, people, there are lots of IT people who will never get that, right? Those bearded road apples who just love tweaking Unix boxes uh, uh, on their laps, right? <laughs> yeah, and they, just, they spend all day at work just, just for the fun of playing uh oh, it's you know with playing with playing with toys and to them business considerations you know budgets and constraints and and return on investment and and project plans they're vaguely offensive you know like uh, right. asking michelangelo how much his paints cost what do you mean i'm an artist right <laughs> right and those right. people are pretty I... insufferable right <laughs> well I, i've i've been there in the past and i i've kind of outgrown that i think just um, because I'm, I, it's the initial zeal for computers that I had, is uh, isn't so much there anymore. Yeah, um, I mean, I had a I had a guy like this, um, and uh, we had a reporting engine that didn't work under NT four, and so I asked him to look into another reporting engine. And what he did was he started writing his own, which took the forms from the screen and attempted to reproduce them by writing rich text formatting to directly to the hard drive and then launching it as an RTF file and whatever would handle it, usually a word processor. And as you can imagine, reproducing pixel-based GUI interfaces in big, chunky, ugly RTF was, you know, constant problems. You'd, you'd One form would look great, and then the next one would look like crap, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Right. And he wouldn't stop. He just wouldn't stop. I'm like, dude, seriously, you, you, you know, because you know, he was like, oh, I can get it done in a week, right? And uh, it's going to save us X and so on, right? And uh, I was busy and foolish, and I gave him a week, and then, oh, yeah, almost done another week, right? And eventually it was like, almost two months, and it's like, you know, I, I needed that reporting engine last month, right? So just drop this shit and get me <laughs> Crystal, right? So, right. 
so so what he what he wanted was to figure this problem out of RTF reporting because it was an interesting technical challenge and it was an interesting technical challenge it just it just cost us contracts right and and we weren't there to subsidize his code curiosity right right <laughs> yeah I, I i know that um that kind of the uh the sort of house thing that we just at, at all costs i've got to solve this problem it, it's it's uh yeah i mean this is actually me. uh, keeping me awake it's i basically i based the guy terry in, in the god of atheists a lot on this guy right oh, yeah. because there's that conversation where it's like well you know if they use the database builder and they do this and they do this and they do this and then it's a text field but they think it's a date field then there's a problem and you know the business guy is like well how often is that going to happen right yeah, I, I I think I was that guy. Like uh, my uh, hospital job, they wanted a um, a quality assurance tool, and they they had me design it in PHP, and I was just learning PHP at the time, and decided to take it on. and And there were all these problems with it, and and they they, they needed this tool a lot sooner than later, and <laughs> so they they finally ended up just outsourcing it to some <laughs> place. But uh, while it gave me time to learn a lot, it, they I. Uh, I, I I wouldn't let go of it. It was just uh, just like I wanted it to work because you know what I dreamed of it being so cool. It um, I could never get it to to do what I wanted it to do in time. Right, but you always feel like you're close. I mean, that's why I don't really edit the podcast very much because I did that and it became a hole with no bottom. Right, so right. I would do a forty-five minute podcast and then I would spend three hours editing out the errs and the ums and the this and that, right? And, you know, and pause and, you know, scratch, scratch, whatever, right? Pick my nose, and, you know, I mean, because you can hear that shit, I'm telling you. Um, and and I, I just had to stop because I looked at the return on investment for what I was doing. I, certainly nobody really seemed to notice. A few people, you know, mentioned, oh, they seem cleaner or whatever. But uh, I, I just... You know, or, or, you know, removing the background noises and tweaking the audio just so and all that kind of shit, right? Because for me, it was like, okay, well, fuck that. Uh, at some point, bandwidth is going to become cheaper and I'll just make the files bigger and higher resolution, you know? <laughs> that's the hell If we thing. wanted to listen to a really great sound, we'd, we'd, if it was the sound that was important, then uh, we'd, we'd pick, uh, well, studio. Well, you'd pick FM radio music. or studio, right? Yeah. I mean. It's not like it's not like they mixed. It's not like they recorded Bohemian Rhapsody in the back of a moving van, right? right. So, you know, this is a this is a live show uh, recorded uh, with someone's eight track in 1970. That's the, that's the sound quality I was aiming for, because the what content. was my goal? My goal was not to make pristine quality audio. My goal was to get people fired up and engaged in philosophy, and I I also wanted to to um, uh, show the breadth of, of what I was interested in and the breadth to which principles could be applied to a variety of circumstances. So for me, that meant quality of content over quality of <clears throat> presentation, right? And uh, and it worked, right? Uh, so that aspect, you know, what is my goal? And this is sort of related to the recent thing on perfectionism, right? My goal, it's easy to make the goal the thing itself, higher quality audio, right? But that was not my goal. Was my goal was not to produce high quality audio, right? And and so I'm, that, the reason I'm talking about that. Then you take away from the content, and I'm sorry. Then you take all the time away that you could otherwise spend on content and ideas, and and 
Yeah, and starting the website and and writing articles, you know, uh, and all that, right? So the, the the purpose was not to produce high quality uh, audio, and and also, you know, there's there's something important in that as well. Just by the by, it's just a way of, of looking at it. Is that if people would stop listening to high quality philosophy because the audio fidelity was not up to their pristine standards, then they probably shouldn't be listening to high quality philosophy in the first place because they don't. Right. You know, well, I would right. change my life for the better. I would, you know, learn all about uh, ethics and virtue and and. But there's it. a whirring noise in the background. Yeah, it's but just... you know, sometimes he coughs, and that's it. I'm throwing it all out, right? It's like <laughs> you know, that's probably a very good idea, right? You don't want to do that, right? So driving yeah, away those kinds of nitpicky listeners was as important as drawing in those who are like, man, it sounds like shit, but the content is great, right? Those are the people I actually wanted to talk to, right? Because they get the point, right? Right, it, and it kind of acts as a filter. All those rooms <laughs> filters out all the people that are uh, are like that, which yeah, is and, funny. And, they, they're the ones that want to apply a filter to your right, podcast. right. And and who's who's to say, who's to say that the ers and the ums and the you knows did not help people by having pauses to absorb what I was saying? Yeah, mitigation, I think, is called. Yeah, I mean, because I remember putting out a podcast where I edited that all out, and it just sounded like I was doing it at all in one breath, and I found it completely exhausting to listen to. So anyway, I'm, what I'm saying is that uh, uh, when you're looking at uh, getting a job, I think it's really important to negotiate yourself as someone who understands the purpose of technology rather than the content alone. And to, and right. to do that, you have to know the business, right? Right. That that actually is kind of I mean that's that's not only um I mean that's just that's I I, I have to try it cuz I'm, I'm I'm it makes more sense to me than trying to get study up on who knows what question they're going to ask and 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 so I have to study up on everything and spend hours and hours trying to remember every possible detail of every little question that what's the port number for for um, session reliability, uh, right. on uh, you know it's that that stuff. And what I could do is the ease of just looking at their website, um, learning more about what they do specifically in that industry, um, trying to recall the things that I I remember from working in in that field, and uh, and, and that saves a whole lot of time and effort and breath. And oh, yeah, it really does. It really stress. does. And, and, and you, can, you, can be, make... you can be honest about that in the interview and you can say, you know, I just want to understand, are you looking for someone who does the right typing, you know, to put it, to put it in a funny way, to, to types correctly? Uh, or, or are you looking for somebody who understands the business and has experience in technology? Right. right. Are you looking for, you know, a... A, a coder with those little horse blinders on, you know, stop, <laughs> just look at the screen, do not look away from the screen, right? Are you looking for that kind of person who, you know, the business is, is unimportant? Or are you looking for someone who understands the business and has a deep appreciation of how to use technology to achieve business goals? Now, if they say, well, we're looking for the horse blinder, idiot, autistic coder guy, then you'd be like, uh, I'm an excellent driver. Came out sucks. I've seen Rain Man. And, and take this <laughs> Right. No, but I mean, there's, uh, you figure out what they're looking for. If they're looking for someone who knows the business and say, well, look, I mean, I've worked in this business in technology for a long time. I really do understand 
um, how the technology is supposed to drive the business needs. Now, your specific technological environment, yes, I will have to get up to speed on that, but that uh, you, I can guarantee you that I could learn because it'll be like the 51st technology that I learn, but what you do get is the full package of, of knowing the business. That's a great pitch. And, and then you're looking to see if there's a fit because you're basically saying, I'm not the idiot autistic coder guy, right? I, I have an appreciation of the business environment. And look, all the economics and entrepreneurial and management podcasts you've listened to here alone would give you a, quite an edge on your average Unix road apple dude, right? Quite true. And this is even more important, the tougher the economic environment, it is even more important to negotiate from the standpoint of finding a good fit when the economic environment sucks. Because we always have this belief that uh, because the economic environment is tough, I need to be more needy when it comes to finding a good right. job, right? I need to take whatever I can get. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got, you know, the more desperate, the better, right? But the reality is, you know, if, if there are 500 guys lighting up for the job and they've all got dark hair, you want to be the blonde guy, right? Just, just right. because you'll be remembered, right? Right. And so in a situation where more and more people are becoming more and more desperate to try and find work, you want to be the guy who's got that bizarre Barack Obama invisible massage confidence, right? Because <laughs> then people are like, either he's really fucking good or he's completely mental. Either way, I want to see him again. You're right. You know, no fear, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, the economics out there is tough. And I, I say this from experience, right? Because I, I used to be, and I'm better at it now, like I used to be like, oh my God, I haven't had a donation in a week. Everybody hates my podcast. What was that one I did just before everyone stopped donating? That must have, you know. <laughs> I have No, that uh... one where I strangled the kitten. I mean, is that, is that <laughs> right. the one? It's so hard to tell, right? What was it specifically? Maybe it was because I said "ah" uh, too many times. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe I got just it, I got too Mickey Mouse on Madonna helium squeaky, and uh, nobody wants to listen anymore because I got really excited or something, right? And uh, yeah. and I used to be like that, right? And and you know when the so when the donations would go down, I'm like, oh, right. And now uh, it's like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> you know, it's it's random, right? right? Uh, yeah, and, and I've so, noticed that with my website, it's nothing is consistent about how many people hit it and when and what day it's just uh was it when i wrote this article was this why and then i go look and then you know no right and 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 of so. course um i'm not pod i'm not i'm not doing this to make money i'm glad that i make some money but i'm not doing this to, i'm doing this to connect and to inspire and to you know hopefully educate some and, and to learn probably i've learned a huge amount from you all right so so that's so if i'm doing that you know, they can't aim at the money. I can aim at that. And if, you know, if it works, the money hopefully will come in or whatever, right? But but that's that's the purpose, right? Because I can, I don't have any control over the donations, but I do have control. And you don't have any control over who's going to hire you, right? You can't control that. But you can control on attempting to connect with a human being during the interview process and not be that sweaty guy who's, you know, hire me or I'm going to have to start eating my feet, right? Because if you're nervous and needy during an interview, then the only person who's going to hire you is somebody who wants to bully you. Right, and pigeonhole me. 
yeah, I think the bullying is of more concern myself. But um, but yes, and pigeonhole you or whatever, right? But whereas if you're confident and curious about whether it's a good fit, then the person who's going to hire you is going to be somebody who relishes and and appreciates those characteristics. In other words, he's going to be hopefully a mature and you know relatively wise human being. Right. But if so, if you're if you're sort of needy and desperate, the only thing worse than not being hired is being hired, right? And again, I'm not saying you are needy and desperate. I'm just saying that particularly in this environment, you want to have a standout level of curiosity about the fit, because that's right. going to seem confident and it's going to seem respectful of the other person too, right? Because when you're like, oh, I could learn that or I could do this or I've I've done something similar, it's kind of disrespectful because people feel, and I've certainly been on the receiving end of that so many times. It feels like the employee, the potential, oh, sorry, the in- interviewee is not trying to figure out whether he has value to give to me. He's trying to convince me that he already has value. And sometimes people would do that before I'd even finished explaining the business we were in. And that's Which, just plain annoying. Yeah. <laughs> now I get three sentences into describing our business and they'd be like, oh, yeah, environmental uh, I have a yard, <laughs> you know, I, and, and, and I code in the yard. So hire me because I code. <laughs> and it's like, you don't even know if you can add value to me and you're telling me to hire you. I mean, that's kind of disrespectful, right? So up front, it's me, of finding more out, finding out more about what they need. Yeah, finding like a more and, and whether it would be of interest to you. Right. Rather than starting with their questioning me. I don't know what kind of control I have over any given interview. Uh, um, well, you have no control over the interview, it. right? Huh? You, you have no control over the interview because the interview is a relationship. You have control over what you do and you have control over the degree to which you prepare. Right. Because because I can't control. Oh, never mind. I'm probably making a. Uh... Well, you can't control whether somebody's going to like you. You can't control whether they're going to find your skills. Uh, interesting or uh, valuable. You can't control whether they're going to believe you when you say you can learn something. You can't control any of that, right? Right. And so uh, just looking at your, your resume, just uh, we'll just touch on this briefly because, I mean, I think I've given you some, some good stuff. I hope I've <laughs> given you some reasonable stuff to work with. Right. But, um, sorry, one sec. Uh, but just looking at your resume, this is the um, just the first one that you sent me? Yeah. Um, well, I can't see, well, first of all, it's too long. I mean, seven pages, six pages, right? Seven pages. Sweet mother of all. Yeah, it, includes, it includes my entire work history, which probably it's a bit much. Supported by a phone in 1996. <laughs> yeah, I would... I would hack that, you know, baby down to two pages. But what I would say is that um, there's nothing in here about the value that you've created. 
Like not one thing that I can see. Right? So yes, you've done, you know, eight years of this and four years of that and three years of this and so on, right? But right. a business guy is going to want to see, I saved the company this amount of money. I reduced costs or reduced time or reduced downtime by this amount, which translated to that or whatever, right? And, and of course, you may not have these exact numbers, but you can give, um, uh, you can give some, some, some useful guesses, right? Like, it's all about, here's the technology I know. There's nothing about, and here's the business value that that created. Does that does that make any sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense, um, <laughs> but not. No, it makes sense. That it's not the problem. It, it, the problem is that I, I just don't. I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. That sounds so daunting. And and um... well, and that's but see, that's important, right? It's important that you don't know how to begin with that because what that tells me. You know, because that would be a question I would ask, right, if I were interviewing you, right? If I, if I saw this resume and I was interested in you, and of course, I don't know anything about your business knowledge here, right? Because right? it's all about, you know, I, I bred yaks on this server farm or something, right? It's nothing to do with, with business knowledge. Like, I don't even know what industries you've worked in until page six, right? Right. And... You know, it, after a while, I get it. You know, you, you learn technology and you're smart and right, all that kind of stuff, right? But right. I don't get it. On page seven, I find out that you were in the oil and gas industry, right? I, I mean, it, depending on where you want to go and what you want to do, I would start with industry-specific knowledge. So rather than give a work or job history on a resume, cut all that out and start with... Um... I should probably just start blank, but <laughs> well, it, 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 it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking to get pigeonholed and to be a typist, then then you know what you've got is okay. But you don't really have any control then because you're either going to fit or you're not, right? Right. And uh, but if you want something which is going to engage the FDR side of your brain or the philosophy or part of your brain or the economics part or the problem-solving part that's more human-based, then um, I wouldn't lead off with six pages of technical descriptions of your specific skills with no reference to uh, any business values. Because it's just going to get you a job as a glorified typist, right? Right. I'm, I I don't, I don't want to continue in that direction. I, I haven't invested all this self-work to... Uh... To be a glorified typist, I'm looking to uh, expand every area of my life. And yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. And so, what I would suggest is, 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 if I were to ask you the question, which I, I would, and I would ask this question of anyone who had more than a few years' experience, I would say, well, why did you do this? Why did I do what? Um, sorry. <laughs> so uh, I'll just, you know, I'll pick something at random, right? Uh, eight years racking, building out, and configuring HP servers, right? Um, on what basis did you make the decisions to rack and build out, and how did you, like, on what basis did you make those decisions to do those things? 
well, I didn't make those decisions. Someone said, rack these servers, and I went and racked them. Right, okay, and I'd say, okay, fair enough. Uh, so uh, you did Citrix Zen App 5. Did you choose that, or was that the environment you were in? Did you ever recommend an upgrade? Did you ever recommend hardware changes? Did you ever, or would you, did you basically just, you know, we need this, and you went and did it? <laughs> exactly. We need this, and I went and did it. Right. Right. And uh, I would pretty much figure out that you were pretty inert when it came to business decisions, right? Right. I'm a gopher boy. I guess. Well, no, no. Uh, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to diminish it. It's not. It's not bad, and it's not negative, right? It just. But it certainly is not. Um, like you, you didn't know why you were doing what you were doing, right? And because of that, you weren't able to be proactive in those decisions, right? Right. Right. Wow. These. <laughs> yeah. These questions are. Um... And you don't, sorry, you don't have to, you don't have to answer them at all. No, I know. I know I don't need to answer them right now, but. No, they're, sorry, they're you don't, you don't, no, you don't need to answer them at all. Like you don't, you, you may say, I don't give a shit why I'm racking this server. I don't give a shit why I'm doing Citrix rather than some other thing, right? But in which case, that's what you're going to do in IT, is you're going to be a highly skilled typist. Right. Right. It's it's just again I I'm not it's not negative that you don't know, right? But if you don't know, then you won't grow in terms of management and business stuff, right? So you say here eight years coordinating and leading technical projects involving one or more people. So yes. one or more is a bit vague. I would you know just an average of you know five people or whatever, right? And then I would say, okay, well, who initiated these technical projects? And did you have a return on investment? And did you have a project plan that had those kind of measurable uh, financial uh, or efficiency goals? And you would say? Um, that would have been MD Anderson. So, yes, to some degree, I did have – I was not the project manager. I was the project technical lead, meaning I was the guy that um, – that worked with the product project on the technical aspects that she was not familiar with. I was the one that implemented things and troubleshooted the problems that came up and worked with vendors and right. And um, so then I and then I would ask you and I would say, well, did you um, did you have um, you know business value presentations for the technology that you were using, or did you you know recommend different technologies for business reasons? I, I would try and dig in and try and find out why you made the decisions that you made about the technology that was being used. And I would say I didn't make the decisions. All right. I, I tested the products, gave the results, and somebody else made the decisions. Uh, but, which, but how did you know which products to test? And usually it ended up being based on money, which I was not involved in. Um, okay. How did I know which products? Yeah. Um, that I did have some decision-making control over. I, I was given a test to go find a specific piece of technology or software or, or both. And you would look at total cost of ownership. You would look at, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Like how much is it to buy? How much is it to support? How many people does it need? You would make those calls, right? Yeah, I would spec, that, I would spec out the price and the hardware and, and what, what 
would be required to spend. Um, and the number point, of, I, would you, I, would you estimate, sorry, would you estimate the number of person hours per month or per year that it would take uh, to support it? I think I did that once. Well, see now, but, but this is, this is, this is what I would think about in terms of your career. Like, why did I do the things that I did? And, and if you have no clue, and I see, as I'm asking, I'm finding that you actually do have an understanding of it to some degree, right? Well, you're very, quick to say, small, no, right? A very small amount of experience in that. No, but it's something, right? Yeah. It's something, right? So it's funny because with technology, we're always quick to say, yes, I can figure that out, right? Yeah. But with, um, uh, with some of the business stuff, we're always like, no, no, never, never knew it, never learned it, right? Huh. It's. I can understand it completely because you know technology costs money, people cost man hours. Uh, there's so many man hours required to put the technology together, and there's so much money in the end that it ends up costing, and there's so much that you want, and, and you're going to have to get a return. You're going to have to actually make more than that in the end. And you're going to have to somehow prove that it makes more money in the end. Um, I get and understand that. But um, <laughs> um, that was a long sentence to drop it on the butt. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the butt. I don't want right. To come okay. <laughs> right. So, so you, but, but you understand that that's the purpose of IT, right? It's like, you know, uh, just to dip into my own history, right? So I did a bunch of transitions for technology, right? So from um, from 16-bit to 32-bit, uh, from uh, access to SQL Server and Oracle, from access as a front end to, uh, to Visual Basic, and then to uh, ASP 1.0, uh, and, and all this and that, right? And it's tricky, right? Because if you go too soon you're screwed because people don't want it yet. They don't even know, like, to go to the web, right, from, from Windows to the web. If you go too soon, you're screwed because nobody wants it. It's really experimental. And the programming tools that are available for you to use are rudimentary, if available at all, right? So, uh, so it's, br it's brutally expensive. It's very time-consuming. It's technologically risky. It's bleeding edge, and nobody is, wants to buy it. And when you look at IT companies... Uh, IT managers of big companies say you want to shuffle all of this new ASP stuff in there, you know, like, you know, pull the other one, right? Security is a concern, all this kind of shit, right? So if you go too soon, you're screwed. And if you go too late, uh, obviously, you're screwed, right? Because your, your total cost of ownership remains high because it's a, um, a thick client rather than a thin client and your competitors are underbidding, uh, can, can charge... Uh, can either charge more or whatever, right? So if you go too late, so there's a there's a delicate point in the middle where it's like, ready, ready, go, <laughs> right? Not yet. You know, don't shoot till you see the whites of their eyes, right? It's like every cliched submarine movie or whatever you've ever seen. Steady, steady. Right. I and feel so, a little silly asking this question. Um, I, I don't fully understand the term full, total cost of ownership. Oh, sorry. A total cost of ownership is... Um, uh, you buy a computer, right? So you say uh, someone says I want to buy uh, a a some a computer, and uh, uh, you say okay, your computer is a thousand dollars. So mentally they say a thousand dollars, right? 
But uh, $1,000 is not much, right? Because what you get, you get Windows and, you know, write as, as you yeah. right? So you actually need a copy of Office probably. You'll need an antivirus program. You'll also need Internet access, right? You'll also need uh, a desk. Uh, you'll need a, an office chair. That's so what I was back. describing earlier, the, the office space, the, um, the salaries of the people involved, how many man hours, all that is the... Together is the total cost of ownership of what you need. Yeah, yeah. So something can be a lot cheaper up front, right? It's like, hey, this printer is only $50, whereas the other printer is $100, right? So you say, hey, it's $50 less. But then if you look at the printer cartridges, which are $20 as opposed to $10, and you're going to use five of them a year or whatever, right? Then the total cost of ownership becomes uh, it's less valuable, right? Because it's how much you spend in the long run, right? Right. Right, Greg asked, um, uh, yeah, this kind of crossed my mind too, and this is why I'm asking. Um, it, and I think I know the answer is, um, well, if, you, if it pisses them off, then you're working for the wrong people. But in a business, um, like how do you contribute to the decision-making without pissing off the managers? Well, sorry, that, you, don't, you don't contribute to the decision-making until you have the information, right? Right, so when somebody says, you know, we need a way to access, uh, we need a VPN, right? Let's just make something up. What do I know, right? But we need a VPN. You say, uh, why? Right, just, you know, step me through the business yeah. reasons. What, what money are we, like, so I have a sense of my budget. What money are we losing by not having a VPN, right? And so if they work it out and they say, we're only losing 50 bucks a month by not having a VPN, then you can say, I guarantee you, that there's no VPN that's only going to cost you 50 bucks a month, and so it's going to be net negative. Now, there may be other reasons to do it, but it's not cash flow positive, right? Right. right so you, all you're doing Whether, is what, what, business yeah. problem, what, what business problem am I trying to solve, and what are the financial parameters that this problem is supposed okay. to be solving, right? And the, if they say, and well, why the do you system... need to know? I'm sorry? If the if the servers or if any of these servers go down like at night and it costs a million dollars, then it definitely you want a VPN so the, the the support guys can log in from their bedrooms and and fix it. Right, right, and and uh, you may also say, well, no, they'd say those guys don't sleep anyway. Right? <laughs> but <laughs> and 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 if people say, well, why do you want to know that? You'd say, well, because I like to know if I've succeeded or failed. Right? You can't manage what you can't measure, right? So if I am supposed to get a VPN that costs less than $50 a month, I can guarantee you I'm going to fail. I'm gonna, and I'll tell you that up front, that it's going to, there's no way it's going to happen. Now, there still may be other reasons to do it. There may be soft reasons to do it, like we've got a bunch of people who like working from home and they'll quit, and that's going to be our cost. And the risk of that, you know, if 20% of them cost and it costs $100,000 to replace each of them, then whatever, right? You've got some money that you're supposed to prevent, right? The last right. one. So, and and so the reason that you, you ask those questions is like, I, I need to know if I'm going to succeed or fail. Because if, 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 I'm spo- like if the VPN, if not having a VPN is costing us $10,000 a month, and I can bring a VPN in for $5,000 a month, then I've just made the company $5,000, right? Right. 
because because I don't I, I like to know if I'm doing a good job or not. I like to know if I've actually solved the problem rather than just throwing technology at stuff and it just vanishes, right? Right. This is why business yeah, people hate this because what was the yeah. return on investment? You know, there was no killer app in Vista. It screwed up everybody's peripherals. It had it really slow network copy speeds. And so people so went no in and it's like, well, where's our return? And this is why they shook Microsoft by the neck. It's like, and didn't do it, a lot of them, because it's like, well, where's the return on investment here? We paid for the operating system. We paid for hardware upgrades. We paid for people to install it. We did training. We did this, that, and the other. It cost us a fortune. And what did we get that we didn't have already? Ooh, the Aero interface, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a prettier graphics. Right. <laughs> Nicer looking start button. Yeah, I, I still haven't upgraded. But um, so, yeah, knowing um, these, these kinds of things, if that's going to, uh, I, I don't know how to integrate this kind of, um, you know, even just what I've learned from FDR and and what I've learned in my experience for my business and how I compress 13 years of experience into two pages, how I um, still convey that I have technical knowledge and specific technologies while still at the same time. Um, because um, I took some of the advice that you've given in other podcasts on the resumes. I, I changed um, just lists of tasks that I did into um, um, accomplishments, kind of like little. Uh, well, look. First of all, blurbs don't, about don't, what I look, did. Don't don't have a resume for everything, right? Because that that's also no no one's going to read through seven pages. No way, right? So if okay. you have someone who's I don't know, they they've never used Novell, then take Novell out of your resume. If you have a company that that has no interest in Citrix, take the Citrix stuff out, or at least put it in an appendix, or at least put it, you know, whatever, right? More details available, whatever. But tailor your resume to, because otherwise you're asking him to do the filtering for you. And as a hiring manager, when you get a hundred resumes, I pick up seven pages. All that tells me is the guy hasn't done any research about the position, and he's just firing his resume off to whoever has a job that might conceivably fit. And I find that annoying. Huh. Right, just have a bunch of resumes, right? And 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 if if they you know if if it's a company with three people and you've got a lot of experience with server farms, take that shit off, right? Because <laughs> they're not going to have a server farm, right? Right. If it's GoDaddy, right. leave it in, right? But you do a little bit, right? Just I'm not taking you know just just hack some stuff out or, or, or hack out the obvious stuff and put the stuff that may or may not be relevant right at the right at the bottom, like additional skills or whatever, right? So if I've, I've got like 13 years, I don't need to prove it by putting every year and every little thing I did. No, that's, that's uh, you know what that's like? That's like if you go on a date and the person tells you their life story with and you don't get a chance to say anything. It's like, that's kind of <laughs> off-putting, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I wasn't aware of how managers perceive my resume. I, it, I just, it looks you know, a little insecure because it's like, I've done everything, right? It's like, <laughs> but I don't need you to do everything. I need you to do this, and you haven't even filtered your resume to make it easier for me. Huh. Wow, I just, I've been a little, uh, 
what's the um, um, word for it? Uh... Verbose? <laughs> That's one word. I guess, um, no, in terms of um, not considering how the manager might perceive things uh resume narcissistic or <laughs> no no it's look, it's it? not narcissistic i mean i think that you genuinely you've got great stuff in your resume and you want to uh, show people that you've done great work and i wouldn't i wouldn't say there's you know it's not not a self-attack scenario what i am saying though and again please understand these are just my experiences as a manager and, and as a hiring guy right but i must have interviewed i, I must have read like two thousand resumes and interviewed like 200 people over my career probably more Right. So this is, you know, but but I I'm all in small business environments and I don't really care that much about uh, I mean, to some degree, the skill set should somewhat match. But uh, so this is just all my opinions. But I certainly would in, in a tight economic environment, you want to not you don't want to just fill the shotgun full of your experience and fire it, hoping you'll hit something. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Um, uh, pray and spray or whatever you call it. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's a spray and pray. That's what you do. It's what bad salespeople do. They'll just show you every single feature of every single car and let you. But as opposed to asking five questions about what it is you're looking for, right? That way, they'll tell you how cool the sports car is to the guy with twelve kids, right? And they'll they'll talk about how cool the minivan is to the young guy with no kids, right? Right. Right. So, um. And you can put a little thing at the top of the resume that says, I've edited my resume with skills, I believe, particular to this position. I have additional skills, which we can talk about if you're interested. Oh. Well, that's the solution. And and it says, look, I, I filtered a little here, right? Right. So that way you can get a full online seven-page detailed version on... Uh, well, put it on your website, right? And say, for, yeah. if you want to look at the full shebang, it's here's the link, right? It's huh. only a click away, right? The 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 full uh, Nathan experience, the extravaganza, the the multimedia festival uh, is only My a click away, right? Story, right? Huh. This this is almost kind of a, a even though it, it it feels daunting in terms of restructuring my resume. Cutting it down is the easy part. Um, what's what's what feels daunting to me is trying to convey my knowledge of whatever field. Like I have hospitals and I have um, the oil and gas industry, and um, that's basically sums up my entire career, other than HP, of course. But. Um, 1997, you say that you have a lot of experience with DOS, configuring DOS modems. <laughs> for the love of all that's fucking holy, man, what is that in your resume for? Are you, are you expecting, like, if time travel were to hit me tomorrow, I need to be prepared? <laughs> DOS, uh, Windows 95 or, or something like that. DOS, DOS said here, configured DOS and Windows workstations and laptops, installed clients and software, installed and configured network adapters and modems. <laughs> modems. <laughs> filter, 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 baby. If anybody wants you to, in, to, to, uh, to manage DOS modems, run. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's a cult. It's a cult. 
<laughs> I'm looking There's for your experience here with Atari, with Commodore 64 and pets. But anyway, sorry, go on. Because right. I'd hire you if you had that, right? PC, uh, what was it? Uh, what was that? Word perfect for Dr. Doss uh, <laughs> or something like that. Right. Did you leave that out? Because that could make all the difference. <laughs> hey, you know, with somebody with that, they, they may be paying big, bu- big bucks for somebody that will still come back and support all that old crap. Right, right. Oh, yeah. So, and you've documented, you see here, you did the Apple stuff. Uh, Yeah. I I was asked to learn everything about Apple servers and clients, became certified, research, test, implement, and support. A distribution application for all 4,000 Apple Macintosh clients. Uh, You say, I succeeded in completing this project from start to finish within one year. That's a bit redundant when you complete a project that usually is from start to finish. (laughs) Like, I completed the book from the first page to the last. It's like, sort of, anyway. (laughs) Uh, followed by documentation of the process. And that's great. Documentation, communication, any training that you've ever done, anything, right? right. That's that's great. But, but if you know, the Apple uh, isn't... What DOS modems and know the cheat codes for Duke Nukem 2 may not be essential for your resume. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I can do phone freaking. Or <laughs> what was that old the payphone thing? With the... Uh, oh, never mind. That's... I don't know, but put it on your resume for sure, just in case people are interested. <laughs> yeah, you talk to these guys, at, at, these co-workers that, that talk about the old days, and it just... <laughs> it the, old days, little, uh... the old days? You have DOS modems on your resume, and you're complaining about other people talking about the old days? Use carrier <laughs> pigeons and smoke nuke signals to support the Pony Express. <laughs> Yeah. Fixed a friend's joystick for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred when I was twelve. Right. I think we've I think we've milked this joke as much as possible, which is to say we only started. Right. Right. No, but but seriously, I mean we've got Greg going. Yeah, Greg. Uh, this does not take much to, to unplug this uh, geyser from Greg of old technology. <laughs> know how to program it? Pro- programmed uh, missile commander in Mantis. Anyway, uh, so, um, uh, so yeah, that, that, I, I don't want to go on all night, but, but those were sort of my, my suggestions about it. You know, do, do research. I, w- I would focus on your industry experience, your documentation. Even if you've, you know, told someone where the coffee is, that's training, baby. You know, so, you know, talk about that kind of stuff, right? You're a different guy than you were a couple of years ago in terms of your level of comfort with, with people and, and so on. So, uh, you know, if, if you want to, I mean, if you want to stay doing the tech stuff, then at the very least, you know, core da- pare down your resume to the stuff which is relevant to the job you're applying for. Right. And, you know, maybe have a couple of resumes, hand them off to whoever's looking for work for you. If you've got a consultant to just say, you know, if, if they want this, use this resume. If they want this, just so it's not seven pages of, you know, nobody's going to make it, right? Like to read and process a seven-page resume would take at least 20, 20, 20 minutes or so, right? Right, if you have, you got a hundred resumes in of that, there's just no way, right? Right. I mean, you want to have a resume that no one's going to skim, or at least very few people are going to skim, and that means, you know. So, how do you fake interest in the industry and business? Well, you you can't. If you don't find the industry or business interesting, then try not to work there because it'll be boring and you won't do a good job. I don't know. That was not your question, but. 
Well, I I think my interest in I, I do find interest in, in oil and gas because you get to work with geologists and geophysicists and I I love I love working with them because they're interesting. They have they have a lot of knowledge about those things and I Yeah, like and you say I mean it's cool because geologists, I mean like I love seeing dinosaurs like like Jurassic Park and so that's do I get to do did to do that in the job? Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> if I had a hammer, way. I'd hammer in the morning. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> okay, and is there any anything else that you wanted to talk about? I mean, if we've gone for almost an hour, I just wanted to know or over an hour. Is there anything else that you wanted to to ask about in terms of this stuff? Has this been useful or helpful in in in? Oh, very. This okay, very, good, uh, good. Very helpful. Um, uh, what about for everybody else? Uh, Oh yeah, uh, if you just wanted to chat whether other people found this useful, whether this would be a, a helpful podcast, and and I think we should put it out as a podcast, just in case uh, somebody does need Das Modem expertise. <laughs> You're the man yeah, for I think it. so yeah. too. Because everybody else so. who knew that is died, <laughs> or we killed them, <laughs> or they just killed All themselves. Right. I can't do another Das Modem. Oh, just one last question then. Um, oh, M high. Sorry. Uh, one last question about the um, the two sort of sections that I have. One is for employment history and what I did, and one is for the list of technologies. Should I get rid of that list of technologies and just work with things I've done in specific in industries and just... just I, I'm still sort of... Uh, lost on the format <laughs> well the, 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 you, you're focusing on the resume I'm saying focus on the job right because because you need to tailor your resume to the job you're applying for so if the job that you want is technical based then focus you know, have a resume that focuses on your technical stuff if the job that you want is more business has some business components then put to put that stuff more front and front and center right because you, you're like a tailor saying, you know, I've got a fat guy and I got a thin guy coming in. You know, how should I cut one suit for both? It's like, well, you can't, right? You have to tailor it, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I have an idea now of what I'm going to do. And the good so. thing about that is it will prevent you from applying for jobs that you don't really want. Because if you've got to spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes or whatever, getting your resume ready for a job, then... If you're not interested, you won't do it. Otherwise, if it's just, ah, I'll fire it off and see what happens, that's not good, right? It's actually not good for the... It, it wastes their time and it wastes your time as well, right? Right. And it's a scattershot, you know? It's like, I don't know what kind of woman I want, so I'll ask every woman in the bar to go out with me and see what happens, right? Well, the worst thing is that the woman says yes, right? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she she wants fifty bucks the next morning. <laughs> fifty. Wow, it is a recession. Okay, but yeah, yeah I mean that's uh, that's what we're saying. So okay. So, yeah, the the, um, the the purpose is is to get the arrow into the bullseye, and that that means aiming, right? I mean, you doesn't just shoot randomly. Ah, oh, I'm sure I hit a bullseye sooner or later, right? Right. So you got a job. So no more and... scattershot resumes. And... Well, this is my suggestion, right? Business. And I think I think particularly in a tough job market, you want to spend that extra bit of time, right? Right. 
Is there is there a reason why they have you bring the resume to? Um, oh yeah, I can tell you exactly why you bring the resume. Because if you've got two hundred resumes, you can't find it. <laughs> okay. No, I, I guarantee you that's why. It's like here, hand me. That's why you always bring two copies. Because the guy, you know, the odds of like hit the big monster stack that he's got exactly the right one, remembers your name. He doesn't know what you look like, right? So, so it's like, yeah, just hand me a resume. I called you in for a reason two weeks ago. I don't know what it was, but hand me a resume and I'm sure I'll remember. Right. So I definitely need to pare it down before I leave. Yeah, certainly by the time you're going in for an interview, you should have a pretty specific resume. Yeah. Wow, this is this is this is great stuff. Um, I wow. hope it helps. You know, obviously, I mean, for you to get the job that you want that will make you happy and keep you in IT. I mean, not that you should or shouldn't, but that's where your investment is, right? And and that's where your money is. And uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I still you, like computers. Cash, I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, I I spend all day on computers and and supporting them. Then I come home and I get on a computer. I I <laughs> I. I I seem to like them, and I and I carry around a computer, and I'm on it all day. You know, I, the I, iPhone. Yeah, I, I wouldn't bring all of that necessarily into the job interview. No, I'm just I'm telling you this. So uh, okay, I am single, this... and and I really refer to my inflatable girlfriend as a computer. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just. Um, no, you enjoy it. It's good technology. You enjoy it. That, that I must still like computers because of the empirical evidence. It's just. Uh, I, I want to give it another good go and try a different route. And, um, you know, like you were telling James, um, um, I, I don't think I've given it my all to, to the, to find a really good IT job that to where I end up, because I don't know if I, I, if I'm losing my interest in supporting things or just computers because of the environment I'm in and because of the p crazy people I work with. Oh, well, actually I do. And I think it is <laughs> because Look, of that. you, That's my um, theory. you won't be able to keep up with the young people. You just won't. And, and it's, it, you know, a, because you're getting older, right. But, but most right. importantly, because they never knew about DOS modems. Right. And so they, they just know the latest shit all the time. Right? They just come out of school or they've just learned how to program on their own. They haven't cluttered up all their brains with how to use graph paper to map out COBOL screens, right? And this is why I need to make a move towards... Yeah, this is I why can... you need to make a move more towards the business side where the wisdom and the, the, where, where your investment in therapy is going to pay off, right? Your investment in therapy is not going to pay off financially if you stay typing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You have a very good point, and another reason why I need to go for uh, IT management. Oh, it's a it's a possibility. You can see if you like it, and if not, you can try something else. But it's been my experience that there is burnout for purely technical folk, because you just right. you cannot keep up, right? I mean, eventually burnout. you have family, you have kids, you just you cannot keep up. And then what happens is you get you get stuck in a backwater of maintenance and support. And then you just get bored because you got into computers because you like new stuff, but you can't possibly keep up with the young guys, uh, the young men and women who are coming straight in out of school or out of just learning all this shit and being part of these computer clubs or whatever. They just know all the new stuff and, and they haven't got their brains all cluttered up with the old stuff. So 
if you don't want to get stuck in the backwater of support that eventually will just have you so bored you want to open a vein, then you have to, I think, try and vault into more of the management side. Brilliant. And that's what I'm going to do. And even if I fail at it, um, like you were telling Greg, it, I will at least have come away succeeding in gaining that experience. And uh, um, You would have succeeded at failing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a so, success uh, yeah. Wow, this is just this is great stuff. I, I'm gonna. I, I have a lot of uh, a lot more positive view towards because I I think I know where I'm going now. Good, and uh, I hope that we can, uh, if you don't mind, we can post your resume uh, with this podcast. I mean the the seven sure. picture. fantastic. And maybe <laughs> you can show us one sure. of the ones afterwards. <laughs> yeah, you can you can do that. Uh, I'll actually. Let me put it up on my server, and you can just link to it. Or, or beautiful. I don't. I don't know how you could. Yeah, you might as well just link to it because. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to pay for the band, but just kidding. All right, yeah. have yourself a uh, a good night, man, and, and put it on posted on how this uh, how this all goes. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks, man. Bye.